the suitcase from the van Cause if you want the best But you don't ask questions Then brother, I'm your man Cause where it all comes from is a mystery It's like the changing of the seasons And the tides of the sea But here's the one that's driving me berserk Why do only fools and horses work? La 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 Oh, shut up, you tart. Hello! It's a new episode of Only Goats and Horses with Red Roll and JT. <laughs> well, no! Um, yeah, so in case you're wondering, we haven't just shut our plonkers in a um, drawer. We are uh, <laughs> actually looking at um, uh, Series 6, Episode 4 this week, and the episode is called The Unlucky Winner Is. And this one aired on the 29th of January, 1989. Now, I did a little bit of research before, because last week I said I wasn't sure what day's these went out on. It was a Sunday evening bread roll. Um, so they, there were Sundays they went out. So this one went out on the 29th of January, 1989. And it had a, um, an audience of 17 million. So we've um, we've peaked again, 17 million. So not bad at all there. Very good. Yeah. And I'm just trying to think. Uh, Sunday evenings, what I remember growing up with Sunday evenings was things like Heartbeat and um, <laughs> London's Burning. Um, so I wonder <laughs> if the competition was that stiff. <laughs> Classic TV. I remember the Muppet Show on a Sunday, probably before oh, your time. Yeah, the Muppets, eh? Uh, I know you've, you've been talking to Kirsty about Kermit the Frog recently, apparently, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like I say, we're looking at the unlucky winner is, and the reason we went a little bit weird and high-pitched at the start there is Rodney seems to have some kind of, I don't know, vice on his plums during this episode, doesn't he? Um it's just it's a bit high pitched in a couple of places. And one thing I like about this episode is Cassandra really comes to the fore in this one, doesn't she? She's almost the main character. She doesn't quite sort of overshadow the trotters, but she's certainly in this one a lot more than we've seen her so far. Yeah, I was thinking that when I was um, obviously dropping my notes down when I was watching it earlier. Um, she's brilliant in this one. I mean, we said before, Cassandra's a good character and she works really well with um, Rodney. Um, but yeah, she's she's awesome in this one and she almost steals the show, actually. I mean, Dell and Rodney are great in this one as always, especially in this one. It's a really good uh, episode as far as like chemistry and one-liners go. But yeah, Cassandra really, like you say, kind of like comes into her own in this one. She certainly does. She has some great uh, lines with Rodney um, throughout the episode, which I'm sure we'll talk about. This was actually... I think it was going to be in our top 10 again, but as we said sort of earlier on in one of the other shows, we we stripped out a couple of episodes from Series 6, otherwise all six would have been in there. I think this was in my personal top 10. I do really like this episode, and it's one I kind of vaguely remember watching it when it was first on, I think. It's one of the ones that I've got a vague memory of, whether it's just because I've seen it so much, or whether it is in the back of my mind when I was sort of younger that I did actually see this first time, but definitely one that's um, close to my heart, this episode. Yeah, I know this has always been like one of your top ones. I'm I'm always on the fence about this one, not because I dislike it in any way. I think it's a great episode. Um, but it's always one of those ones that when I think of before I watch it, I like, do I like this one? I can never remember because it's not obviously it's shot mostly um well in Spain. This that isn't Spain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um and I can never remember oh, do I really like this episode or not? And then when I watch it, I'm like, oh yeah, this one's fucking brilliant. And I wonder again if it's one of those episodes that people would re- recognise from the name. But they definitely recognise it if you said to him it's the one where Rodney joins the Groovy Gang. That's like the yeah. kind of everyone remembers, isn't it? The one where he obviously has to pretend he's at 14, which we'll obviously talk about as we go through the synopsis on this one. I actually pulled the synopsis from the Only Fools fan page on this one. It's a bit of a weird one. The, the normal wiki one's a bit shite. So I went for the fan page, but it's kind of 
a bit up and down this, but we'll see what we can do with it. So um, should we have a look at this one then, Breadwell? Yeah, let's see what it's uh, see what it's all about. Hooky Toki, and always a big shout out to Mr. Dan Parkinson for the theme tune, the opening theme that we do. Oh, he does, sorry for us. Um, check him out on Instagram, Dan Parkinson, well worth a look. So, like I say, this is pulled from the Only Fools fan wiki. Um, I did quickly skim through it last night, but this is how it opens anyway. So Rodney has invited Cassandra back to the Trotters' flat. Del Boy and Albert are both said to have dates tonight and are both out. As Rodney and Cass are kissing, Albert comes in from the kitchen all dressed up. Well, he's dressed in his normal clothes, to be fair. Rodney thought he was going out, but Albert has invited Elsie Partridge, who he met at a bingo game, round to the flat. Rodney says to Cass that they can be alone if he slips Albert a few quid to take Elsie out. But then Del Boy comes in. Del's date is also coming round. He persuades Rodney to take Cassandra out for the evening. Del is entering for every competition going, and Rodney has shown Cassandra a painting of the Marble Arch at Dawn, which he drew at school age 14 and wrote his name on it. Dale has entered the painting for the competition in Rodney's name, and Rodney's not aware of this. So I will say it's not a great description of the start of this, but it's better than the main wiki page. But I do like the way this opens. And one thing that we've said, sort of Rodney and Cassandra, particularly Rodney, has been a little bit edgy around her, but he seems a lot more relaxed in this opening scene with her, doesn't he? Yeah, there's a couple of things. I was wondering, obviously, how time's kind of like moving along with this particular one, because um, obviously last uh, week when we did the episode... um, uh, chain gang it was like when she first met Denzel and Rodney's like oh this is my um and she's like oh choose your words carefully like then they hadn't quite decided if they're boyfriend girlfriend um now in this one obviously she's around the flat they're about to have a bit of humpty dumpty and they end up going on holiday abroad together so things have obviously moved along and progressed quite well in their relationship yeah I was wondering what the actual time scale was um I mean we don't really know how long ago the last one was supposed to have been but yeah things do seem to have progressed a little bit and one thing that did make me laugh I never thought of this before so obviously uh, Rodney and Cassandra are going through some of Rodney's old etchings and paintings but some of Dell's like competition stuff like I think there's Malteser wrappers and that's stuck to them and a baked bean tin label but why would they have been stuck to them because if Rodney's just got them out to show Cassandra why are Dell's stuff all stuck to them it didn't really make sense yeah and this is again um I think we mentioned it. I can't remember. We said, obviously, this is coming out. Because up until now, like, we know Rodney kind of likes a little bit of art. And he went to the art college in Basingstoke. But this is the first time we've really seen, like, his work. And it becomes a bit of a thing now that he likes, um, obviously, he's really into his art. And um, he likes classical music and stuff. That starts to develop a bit more. But this is the first time we really see him actually doing anything with art. Other than when he spoke to, uh, what's her name, in, um, when he met, oh, I can't remember which one it was now, is it? Um when they went to, when she used to really posh bird at the market. Oh, a, few Roy, weeks a Royal Flush. That's it. Yeah, I'll get me a good right at some point. Other than that, we haven't really <laughs> sort of, um, seen him speaking much about art other than the fact that he went to college. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if he did these at the uh, the Basingstoke College. He was only there for three weeks. So, um, no, he wouldn't have done, would he? Because he was 14 when he did this. So, yeah, he'd yeah. still been at school. Yeah. Um, one thing as well, like, how did they not know Albert was in the flat? <laughs> they're obviously having a bit of a, a smooch on the sofa and Albert just wanders in going about a plug on the microwave. They, they must have known he was there because he never really goes out anyway. There's not really anywhere to hide in that flat, but they seem really surprised that he just wanders out. Yeah, I love the way they're like kissing. He walks by and he sort of says something and they're like, did you just hear something? It's like, you definitely know it's fucking Albert walking by. <laughs> oh yeah, but it might be the ghost, but we haven't quite got to that yet. Next week we're, we're going to talk about ghosts, but that's why I'm jumping ahead a little bit there. But yeah, an old Elsie Partridge gets her first mention in this episode, and we do actually meet her next week, going on to next week's episode again. Um, and um, 
she stays with Albert until he, he passes away, doesn't she? she? She gets mentioned in that episode when they go to his funeral. So, um, well, they go to the wrong funeral, but that's a long way away. But yeah, so um, good old Elsie Partridge gets her first mention. Yeah, and again, she's one of those side characters, like I say, mentioned here. We see her next week, but I think that's the only time we actually see her in the flesh um, um, in that episode next week, isn't it? Because like I say, she stays on there and technically stays with Albert, comes his kind of girlfriend or whatever. I don't think they get married, but I don't think we ever actually see her again properly, um, other than obviously the one thing we see her next week. And the other thing I noticed about um, the, the flat as well, Dale's obviously got himself a new sofa that's fallen off the back of a lorry because mm-hmm. it's still got all the protective uh, shrink wrap over it, doesn't it? That's sort of sat there and it's still <laughs> wrapped up in bloody, you know, DFS or whatever it is, fucking wrap. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, that's quite funny, actually. <laughs> There's um, So Rodney's obviously invited Cassandra round and he's still at that stage, like I said, he's a little bit more sort of cool with her at the moment, but he's still trying to impress her. But he's nicked Dale's smoked salmon and Albert's wine. You'd think he would have bought something himself. himself. I know he's not particularly flush most of the time, but he pulled 30 quid out of his pocket last week. Do so you think he might have been able to afford a bit of food for him instead of nicking everyone else's? Yeah, right. I do like that bit as well, like because they're sort of, it's like, we've got smoked salmon sandwiches. And he kisses um, Cassandra, and then he pulls back and like, do you want vinegar? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just typical Rodney, though, isn't it, really? And then Dell comes in. I, I do like David Jason's reaction. It's almost, like, natural, isn't it, when he's sort of, oh, going to get that plonk, he's left his flat in the right state, and then he puts the light on, he's like, Boop, as he sees him. And it's actually quite a natural sort of shock reaction. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And again, he's good at those little um, quick kind of like reaction faces, isn't he, old David Jason? He's brilliant. One thing I was thinking, just did you touch on there, like Rodney's obviously got a bit of cash about him, you know, well, I'd say a bit more than Rodney usually has. But like I say, he's got a few quid knocking around here and there. And Cassie's obviously got a proper job and everything. If they were struggling to get like private time, surely between them they could afford like, I don't know, a B&B for the night or like a little, I don't know, hotel room or something like that. Nothing too upmarket, but... Surely they were that desperate for a bit of alone time. They could manage that much. That's a really good shout, yeah. Because, um, yeah, like I say, Cass has got a decent job. Um, and probably Dell would have slipped Rodney a few quid to get rid of him. Because as we find out, Petulia is coming around and she's bringing all her gear. <laughs> we, we never get to meet Petulia. We never hear of her again. So obviously it didn't go particularly well. Well, who knows what happened? Because at the end of the day, everyone was in the flat anyway. Um but then Del calls out Albert Captain Birdseye for the one and only time. I don't think he ever calls him it again. But, I mean, we've always said that Albert looks like Captain Birdseye. It's quite a common thing, isn't it? Yeah, he absolutely does. And it is funny the way he says it. <laughs> I love his reaction because, obviously, he's talking to Cassandra and that and saying, oh, I've got Elsie coming round here and stuff. I'm oh, not Elsie, sorry. I'm Petunia coming round. And then Albert walks in. Oh, bloody hell, Captain Birdseye's here as well. And the whole <laughs> audience just absolutely creases up. And there's... um. A bit when they go off into the kitchen, um, Del and Albert do, and they're sort of having a little chat. And Albert's making himself a sandwich, and he turns around, and Del just picks half of it up and starts eating it. And then he's <laughs> talking about all his competitions. And I noticed it's really odd because there's like really wonky product placement. So they've got PG tips, but the cornflakes they got are actually mega flakes, aren't they? Not proper cornflakes. So they must have been at that stage where it's like we can have some things but not others. Oh, yeah, mega flakes because that's the competition he enters, isn't it? That um, Rodney wins in inverted commas. He didn't even know he'd entered. And Dale also washes his hands with Albert's lettuce, doesn't he? <laughs> Just in his sink. <laughs> and then he picks up the wine that's there and starts drinking out. He's been a right arse. He's just literally helping himself. But that's Dale Boys for you. And um, we get another mention of Monkey Harris again. Dale's obviously um, doing a deal with some Italian shirts from Malaya, I think it is. Um, obviously, the punchline <laughs> there. But um, Monkey Harris gets another mention. Yeah, good old Monkey Harris. It's a shame he never actually materialised on screen, but in a way, that's kind of like the beauty of it, isn't it? It's just this one character that Dale seems to get all his gear from. 
Yeah, and then the classic line, though, isn't it? When um, the doorbell goes, and Rodden's like, "I'll get it," and he opens the door, and there's blatantly no one there. He sort of pops his head around into the lobby part, and then he's like, "Oh, um, there were Albert's birds here," and Dale's like, "Let's have a look." And he's like, "You saucy kid!" That's peculiar, isn't he? I love that. Yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> Dale's reaction is beautiful as well, because he's like giggling away to himself, and he like looks around the corner and. You can tell he's like obviously mugged off by Rodney now, but he's kind of he's got good humour about it. It's right, and then he goes, "You saucy git, that's Petunia." Just the way he says it is brilliant. <laughs> oh, I do wonder what she looked like. Obviously, we do never see her. So let's have a look at the next scene now. This isn't a very detailed description of what happens, but this is one of my favourite scenes ever. And only fools and horses. This next little bit here. So a day or two later, Rodney gets a letter which Dale opens, and it says he's won the competition and a holiday for three people to Mallorca. Rodney is meanwhile worried about intimacy with Cassandra and that two may become three. Dell is happy and tells Rodney, and Rodney is pleased. Dell says he entered in for the competition, a holiday for three, which means Dell, Rodney and Cassandra can all go. When she is in the ladies, Rodney chats to Dell about contraception and buying condoms. He worries about the stigma when buying them in his shop, and <laughs> Dell thinks that it's a piece of silver foil. So like I say, it's not a great description there. It didn't even say that they're in the nag's head when Dell comes in. Um, and sort of tells them they've won the competition. But I think this whole scene here between Rodney um, and Cassandra at the first, and then when Dell comes in, I think it's just brilliant. It's one of, like I say, my favourite scenes of all the Only Fools and Horses episodes. Yeah, it's great. And I, I do like this bit because, again, Cassandra's personality here is great because when she sits down, um, she, uh, Rodney's like trying to talk to her and stuff. She goes, oh, we've gotten a bit close. Oh, sorry. And then she moves her chair. <laughs> just little things like that that are hilarious. And one thing I know is when it cuts to the night, said Rodney's actually drinking a big pint randomly, which I'm sure Cassandra must have bought for him. But also the food she gets from Mike actually looks quite nice. I think Rodney's got pine chips. And she's got some kind of like, like Caesar salad or something by the looks of it. But I thought, you know, for Mike's food, that actually looks pretty edible. Do you know what, bread roll? Exactly the same thing here. The food that Cass brings over looks really good is one of my lines. Yeah, it does look really <laughs> nice, doesn't it? Although, I don't think either of them touch any of it. Rodney says that he's, he's lost his appetite. He's worried about, obviously, buying condoms and stuff, which he won't sort of admit at first with Cass. So she's like, oh, thanks, you know, you've been thinking about us and now you put off your food. And I'm, I don't know if either of them actually touch a, a bite of that food the whole time. Yeah, it's a good shout, actually. Yeah, because I think Cass's plate just magically vanishes when Dell turns up because they order some champagne, don't they? But yeah, you're right. I don't yeah. think people actually eat anything. Yeah, you're right, actually. It does because the, the table's then littered with champagne and Cass has got an orange juice, I think, on the go. Yeah, because at one point Mike comes over and that's when um, Cass, for the first time, actually says she loves Rodney. It's the first time we've heard her say it. And then Rodney says, I love you too. And then Mike sort of makes you feel sick or something. So maybe he takes the plates away, but he hasn't even touched the food. A bit harsh if he does. Yeah. I do like, because Mike's like, oh my God, it's like making me sick or something when they're saying like they love each other. And then she's like, Rodney, why do you come to this pub? And he's like, I don't know, I think it's just the atmosphere or something like that. Yeah. And then while all this is going on, it cuts back to um, Dell and Albert in the flat. Dell's got his uh, Malay and Italian shirts from uh, Monkey Harris. And I like the way that Albert's moaning, isn't he? Because Rodney's gone out with Cassandra for lunch. And he's like, oh, he's an old war veteran like me to put, do all this. And Dell's preempting every line that Albert says. It's just fucking brilliant. Is not it? It's like you yeah, fought for the, all the youngsters in this, you know, country. Now they, you know, what's that? How do they repay me? Anyway, they bloody like. Anyway, they bloody like, or something like that. And it's just fucking brilliant. <laughs> it is, yeah. And then when Dale opens the letter and he's reading it, and then the Albert gets older, he's like, "I like heart menu," and he's that's his little head chickle, doesn't he? <laughs> and then Albert grabs it and reads page two first, and he passes it to Dell, and then Dell reacts, but you don't actually know what it says at this point. And again, we've talked about this before that. 
whether the audience at that time would have known what was coming. You know, would there have been a leak or a, you know a little rumor that Rodney would have to pretend to be fourteen? Because at this point, you don't know the sort of punchline of the episode, do you? No, you don't. Um, yeah, it's quite an interesting one, actually. Yeah, because he obviously, in a bit, he says he leaves the second page at home, doesn't he, when he takes it to mm. the pub and sees Cassandra. He gets down there a bit quick um, <laughs> from where he's just been with Albert and that. But this bit, um, when it cuts back to the pub, it, um, this is another thing that made me think, as they've done a bit of a time jump here, because uh, Cassie comes out of a line where she's like, um, I've dated you or I've been with you longer than I've been with any of my other boyfriends. And I'm thinking, well, you've only been together four episodes, so... How long is that? And, you know, clearly you've had really short relationships. Maybe you haven't had that many boyfriends or anything. But I'm like, time must have gone by a little bit. Because imagine, like, a well-to-do girl like Cassie would probably know some, again, fairly well-to-do blokes and everything. They might have had a relationship that lasted longer than, like, four weeks or whatever it's supposed to be. Well, great minds think alike again, Bread Roll. I've got exactly the same thing, thing here, that she says mm. she's been out of him for a while. So, again, another sort of thing, how, how sort of far in the future is this from the last episode? We don't really know. I do like the line as well when um, Rodney's obviously saying, oh, you know, I work in the market, I'm a bit shit, but I won't be doing this all my life. And then she's like, um, about meeting a handsome guy, isn't it? And Rodney, she's like, you won't see me for the tinted windows on this Porsche. And Rodney's like, his face is just like absolute devastation. He's like, are you, are you joking? She's like, no, I really mean it. And I'm thinking, does she really mean it? Or is she just properly winding him up? You don't know, it's so dry. Yeah, she is. It's brilliant. It goes both. Until now, I'm just happy to drag along with you until something comes along. And, that, and like you say, he's just pulling his absolute dopey face where his like, tongue's half hanging out. It's just brilliant. <laughs> it is great, isn't it? And then obviously, Del marches in, orders champagne straight away. Mike doesn't even seem to ask him for any money. So he knows he's not going to pay for it. So I'm assuming he goes on his slate. And then this is where Rodney just starts going really high pitched, doesn't he? Like when um, Dale tells him he's won at first, he's like, oh, bloody hell. <laughs> oh, sorry to Cass. Like, she'd be offended by the fact. I don't know if she'd be more offended by the fact he'd sworn or the fact he had a squeaky voice. I'm not sure. Yeah, right. I mean, maybe she didn't know that he had abilities of singing sopranos or something, but <laughs> he's certainly laying it on thick this time. Like you say, it kind of builds up and builds up, doesn't it? And then when she gets to the bit where she's like, you clever thing. Um, I don't even know you haven't the competition. No! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, no! Del, what do you need in this competition? <laughs> no, I did it for you. And then <laughs> it's like when uh, Dale's like, it's not for two, bruv, it's for three. And Rodney's like, no, he's like, three. What, three? Yeah, three, as in her, three. And then Rod- Dale, uh, Rodney's like, three, that's a funny number. And Dale's like, yeah, three, who has me in stitches every time? Three, <laughs> It's just really stupid. And then it's blatantly obvious when Dale's like, oh, it's on page two that I threw it, threw it, threw it, uh, I left in the flat. It's like, surely Rodney would have noticed that he was like stalling. Yeah, I, I was thinking that like Rodney, obviously by now, knows when Dale was obviously up to something because it's pretty much every minute of the day. Um, you would have like clocked that by now. And then I, and then when Cassie's like, oh, well, maybe because it's mega flakes, you did everything bigger. That's three. And it's like, Rodney's got a good point. Is it like, I don't know what it's like these days, but it is always like a, you know, meal for two holiday for two usually something like that otherwise it would say win a family holiday wouldn't it it's yeah. just i know it's obviously there for the punch line but rodney should have bloody clocked onto it yeah exactly like i say especially coming from dell he's going to know it's not legit i mean we're going to have another holiday in a few weeks time that dell organizes for rodney which um we'll come <laughs> to but classic line here though isn't it when Cass gets up she's just like excuse me and rodney just grabs her kiss her and is like Bye. She's like, I'm only going to the lady. <laughs> Again, it's so dry the way she says it. And then Dale's like, you, Wally. It's just brilliant. 
It is great. And I do like the way he delivers. I mean, he always delivers it well, doesn't he? But that's a really good, like, you, Wally, the way it sort of builds up. And then again, it has the crowd. Like, the crowd are really, or the audience, should I say, are, like, really into this episode, aren't they? They're, like, actually, like, gassing away at all the fucking jokes in this one. Yeah, they are. And then, obviously, Cass goes off to the toilet, which gives Dale, um, Rodney the chance to talk to Dale about his um, sort of scary, well, buying condoms. And the first thing, he opens the magazine, he's like, Take a look at this. And Dale's like, what, Ford Escorts? Because he's passed him a What Car magazine. Yeah. <laughs> then he finds the condoms, and Dale's like, but obviously a big full-page spread of Durex. Another blatantly advertised thing, because Rodney's looked at it earlier sort of in the scene. So you see like a full-page spread of Durex, so it's there in your face. And Dale's like, I don't have to worry. They're not really that big in real life. <laughs> and then just, I mean, I don't know if David Jason kept a straight face throughout this whole bit, because the bit where he says about the stigma being just a bit of foil, it just cracks me up every time. And he's so fucking straight face when he says it. Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? Like you say, and he's actually, again, Dale Boy's like fully serious about it. Like he's like, you know, yeah, yeah, it's just a bit of foil. Just throw that away. And then he's like, I don't know why I bloody bother. And then he's talking about like, um, Oh, I just thought it was always like, you know, little seedy men that go in and buy them. Can you go and get me some? <laughs> Dale's actually about to take a sip of his champagne. He's like, you get me a bloody self and stops from drinking. So he must have been a bit upset to stop Dale having a sip of champagne. But <laughs> then um, Dale goes off to get some more champagne and uh, Cassie comes back out the toilet. <laughs> and then Rodney's face when he's like, um, well, I've got a little bit of a concern, you know. We're going to be away on holiday and what would you know, sharing a holiday suite and all that. Our relationship, you know, may extend to a more physical plane. And Cass is like, hmm, maybe. And his face is like, yeah. It lights up, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, getting one in there, sort of thing. Uh, it's brilliant as well, because I hope you haven't been discussing this with Dale. And he's like, no, no, no. I just wanted to be in between us. And Dale was obviously like, Rodney, don't worry. Mike's had a new machine put in in the gents. And then Mike's <laughs> like, oh, don't worry, Rodney. I'll get you some change out the till. Yeah, and Cass's face is just a picture, isn't it? Then we get that random bit of Spanish music, um, a cut of a plane, and uh, we're in Spain, or should we say a studio pretending to be Spain. So let's um, let's have a look at what happens next then. So three weeks later, Rodney, Dale and Cassandra arrive for their seven-day holiday in Majorca. At the arrivals depot at the airport, Dale says that Rodney has to pretend to be 14 all week. He's six foot tall and he's 26. He knows they'll soon realise he's not 14. Dale has doctored his passport. Cassandra laughs, but soon changes when she has to pretend to be his stepmother. Dell says he has to be Rodney's dad. Rodney has been entered for the Groovy Gang. See, these notes aren't great. I should have probably changed these. They then enter for the Spanish lottery, and Dell has bought himself, Rodney, and Cass a ticket. Rodney gets increasingly moody during the holiday, seeing his Esco skateboarding in the Groovy Gang, and has a 13 year old Bros fan called Trudy who fancies him. Dell enjoys winding, uh, winding Rodney up over it. Rodney says he will get Dell Boy for this. One afternoon, Carmen and Alan Perkins, the holiday organisers, are suspicious of Rodney's age and have a check of the passports. Even though Rodney's is doctored, they think it's an error and then leave. Dale goes off for a walk to leave Rodney and Cass alone for a while and says, they're in your flight bag. This embarrasses Rodney and Cassandra. So these notes aren't very well written, to be honest, but um, we sort of obviously talk our way through it in our own style. But the when they get to the airport, obviously, after that little cutscene of the plane, the Spanish airport and the security and that, it looks so fake, doesn't it? Oh, it looks uh, absolutely fake. And it's so stereotypical, isn't it, as well? It's like, you can tell, obviously, they haven't gone really to Spain. It does a job, obviously, for the episode. But, yeah, it looks fucking dreadful. And one thing as well is, like, I know, obviously, they've got to wait until they get there. And then it's like, um, 
oh yeah, Rodney, I've got to come clean and tell you the truth. And then he tells me about being 14. It's like, this competition place would not have flown you to the country to then verify you are who you say you are. They would have wanted all that up front. So you wouldn't have even left England under those sort of pretenses in the first place. Oh, absolutely. And I think we've talked about that before. And we sort of talked about this episode sort of when we weren't doing the podcast, just in passing. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? I'll tell you what, though, that must have been the most extras they've ever had in an Only Fools episode at the airport. Because there's a lot of bloody people there, isn't there, in the background milling about. Yeah, because you've got all the people like milling about, like you say, like the people who work there. And then you've got all the families, because that's when Rodney clocks and goes, I noticed it's on the plane that everyone seems to be like mums and dads, all these winners and everything like that. So you've got all the mums and dads, plus all the kids and stuff. So, yeah, I wonder if um they were paid extras or it's just like, you know, people who work on the show just brought their family along to shoot one scene. Yeah, I don't know. But there was quite a few people sort of bobbing around in the background. You think Rodney would have clocked, though. He says, obviously, he sort of saw on the plane that they're all mums and dads and everything. I think he might have put two and two together at that point. Um, but I do like it when um, Cass is like, so they think Rodney is 15? And Dale's like, no. They think he's 14. <laughs> and it's just like their faces. And then Cass, I don't know if this is uh, Gwyneth Strong actually laughing genuinely or whether it's part of the script, but she's fucking wetting herself in the background while Dale's explaining all this to Rodney, isn't she? She is properly pissing herself. And I do like the way she like she suddenly stops laughing when Dale's like, Oh, you've got to pretend to be his stepmom. She's like, What? You're suddenly like, shit, I'm under this. But yeah, her laughing looks really genuine in places. It does, doesn't it? Like Dale's like, well, Rodney's like, My dad? He pretend to be my dad. And then Cass like, and who am I supposed to be? His mum? And then obviously the penny drops. And then Dale's like, Well, yeah, you've only got to pretend, you ain't got to check behind his ears or pick him up from school or nothing. He's fucking loving it, Dale, isn't he? I like it when they go over to the um, uh, it's like that, the group and everything. Oh yes, we've been waiting for you. And where's our uh, young Rodney? And the guy turns around and Rodney's like a fucking foot taller than him. This geezer <laughs> like the, the rep. He reminded me of Steve Irwin randomly. Ah uh, yeah, he's got the sort of mullety haircut, hasn't he? He um apparently he still does like um conventions and stuff quite often. The Only Fools conventions. He's still like really down on the fact he was in this one episode. I did um have a quick look on Wiki before we started recording. He's been in loads of different TV programs and everything. I don't think he's had like recurring roles but he certainly had a lot of one-off appearances and he's obviously quite proud of this one i mean it's quite a legendary appearance in it of mr perkins alan perkins but yeah like you say when he turns around he's like and here's your rosette mrs trotter mr trotter and here's young rock and he sort of turns around and looks up he's like he's a big lad isn't he <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh they don't fucking clock straight away i know again it's for the comedy reason we got him and you got carmen the um obviously the female i think her name's carmen isn't it yeah um, it is yeah and the pair of them i know they obviously they are kind of suspecting throughout like, the next couple of scenes and everything. But straight away, you'd have looked at that and be like, you ain't 14, mate. You can fuck right off. <laughs> yeah, she's like, you're now a lifelong member of the Groovy Gang. He's like, the what? <laughs> the Groovy Gang. And again, one of my favourite lines, and it's quite an under sort of a discreeter one, when uh, Rodney won't go over to the Groovy Gang, Per Allen comes over and he's like, is he not a good mixer? And Dale's like, good mixer? He's like a Kenwood chef and he gets going. <laughs> fucking... <laughs> gets me every time. That just reminds me of being at school doing fucking cooking with the Kenwood chefs. It just makes me laugh. But um, then Carmen's like, all the members of the Groovy gang we're going on the fun bus and again Dell's loving it isn't he? he's like off you go you've got to go on the fun bus Rodney. yeah and also as well it's like when they're introducing the groovy gang it's like every time something happens you have to say groovy and Cassie again is like absolutely pissing herself behind Dell. <laughs> and Rodney's like what and Dell's like don't worry you'll get the hang of it groovy <laughs> <laughs> oh he's just properly winding them up isn't he? and then he meets Trudy she's like do you like bros he's like no <laughs> he's so pissed off and then as he all walk towards the groovy gang bus he's duty free and that's clanking away and another thing they'd be like why have you got loads of bottles of alcohol when you're supposed to be 14 
Yeah. Another thing as well is this um the girl, it's Trudy, isn't it? I'm the Bros yeah. fan and that. She's quite tall for her age, isn't she? I mean, she's not obviously as tall as Nicholas Lindhurst, but I was thinking you're actually bloody tall, you're like up to his shoulder at least. Yeah, that's right, actually. Yeah, I mean it's a bit dodgy as well. She's supposed to be thirteen, he's twenty six. Obviously nothing happens and he's completely not interested, but it's a bit of a sort of sketchy subject for certainly these days, isn't it? It probably wouldn't be allowed even to think about that kind of thing. But then when we do cut to them inside the um the sort of hotel or villa, whatever it's supposed to be they're in, I mean, they've done quite well making it look like a Spanish place, haven't they, with all the sort of scenery and the, the bits and pieces. It does look like a sort of Spanish sort of hotel room, whatever, I guess. But um, <laughs> Rodney comes in because he's been on the skateboard, and when he's in that skateboard outfit with his knee pads and helmet on, it's fucking great. It's amazing. Again, this this trend started earlier on in this sort of series, didn't it? And it's going to carry on now. It's an ongoing thing. Every now and then, Rodney just does his entrances, doesn't he? He comes in dressed as something or just looking ridiculous, and it is always a big punchline of the episode. But he comes in with that fucking dopey helmet on, his little like pink knee pads, hasn't he? <laughs> and the skateboard he's on is fucking dreadful. I remember those types of skateboards. Yeah. You and I, we used to skate properly, or at least tried to anyway. And obviously those skateboards were like fucking Chevys, weren't they? Like you couldn't skate on them. They're just a massive plank of wood with wheels on them. They're like a death trap. Yeah, they were the sort of ones you got in Argos, weren't they? That you sort of buy for like kids who weren't really interested in skateboarding. You know, after about two weeks after Christmas, they wouldn't be interested at all. So you just buy them that for 20 quid and hope for the best. But yeah, because I was like, what have you been up to? And he's like, I've been skateboarding, Cassandra. <laughs> Dale was in the toilet and he's having a wash. <laughs> he's proper wary of Rodney though, isn't he? He knows he's wound him up because he won't come out and then he does pop his head out at one point, but Rodney's properly going at him, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's like, sorry about the bad language, Cass. He's like, what bad language? And he like fucking hollers at him. But he doesn't actually say anything bad. He has sworn no. more in the earlier part of the episode. And one bit I just found funny, just from obviously from your your mind perspective, really, is when he looks in there was looking around the chalet, he's like, oh, That must be Rodney's room. He's got a picture of Prince on the wall. And I was like, Hey, good old Prince is getting a shout out and only fools and horses. Yeah, definitely. I think, again, we've mentioned that before. Yeah, good old Prince getting a mention there, God rest his soul. But um, another one, he just sort of had a right go at Trudy, and Cassandra's like, have you seen the view? Toronto's like, no! Again, and he's probably, like, pissed off. So the second time he's been really, like, blunt with someone, but obviously this time it's with Cass. But um, the bit where um, old uh, Perkins and Carmen come in, though, and Rodney's got a bloody drink in his hand, isn't he? I don't know what it is, whiskey or something, and a cigarette. And uh, Dale answers the door, and he's like, Rodney! The Arcadar's here, and the timing when he runs back and grabs a cigarette out of Rodney's hand and spins round with the drink and a cigarette in his hand is just so good. Oh, I've got that. Yeah, I've literally got Rodney stands and hands. Obviously, he's a smoke and a drink to Dell, and it's so smooth. It's so good. And even the audience appreciate it, don't you? Actually, it's one of those moments where obviously they stop, and obviously Dell does this really like poncy pose, doesn't he? Like he's like yeah. going like a magazine with them. Cigarette up in the air, but the audience all like clapping and everything. It is brilliant. I wonder if that was a take job because it was so good. I'll be impressed if they did do it in one take. Uh, again, I expect there's a lot of laughter involved in that as well when they were doing it, because I imagine it would have been quite funny filming it. But, um, I mean, we've said this as well. There's no way that his date of birth could have been written in biro on his passport and he'd have been able to fake it. I mean, even back then, that it would have been printed on there. There's no way you'd be able to forge a passport date of birth. No, definitely not. And also as well, like... It... <laughs> it's all done for comedy I know but especially at the end when they find out I mean passport tampering is like highly illegal as well so yeah. the fact that Dale would have even done that like you say he wouldn't even been able to do it with a bloody biro anyway um, but also the fact that when they found out I mean they would be like they would be arrested then because they would have entered the country illegally technically wouldn't they like they in, in the grand scheme of things they'd have been fucked in this episode when it all comes out 
you're right actually yeah i didn't really think of that but <laughs> yeah totally i mean um yeah well entering a country on fake documents or forged documents so yeah that's probably quite a quite a big uh charge for that i would have thought we do get a little mention here as, as well about rodney liking uniforms don't we in one of these little sort of bits between him and Dell and Dell how Rodney says they've, they've got a nurse or something and she'd have to be auditioned to get into roly-polies or something and Dell's like oh you like a bit of uniform don't you because Sandra's like oh really and then later on Rodney's like oh no he was just winding me up or winding you up but obviously we find out well, we already know that Rodney does like a bit of uniform yeah yeah we do and that again comes into a classic moment a little bit later down the line but I'll tell you what obviously Rodney and uh, Cassandra obviously looking to get a, you know a bit of alone time and stuff but some of the like looks that rod um cassandra's like showing and they're like really kind of like saucy looks isn't they like she's definitely like in a broody mood and everything she is because rodney sits down and he's got a cigarette and everything after um perkins and uh, carmen have left the room and they think they're sort of oh, they sort of chill out and relax a little bit she bounces over from that other sofa she's right next to him isn't she cuddling up to him and then that's when Dell's like, I'll order a bit of room service. And Rodney's like, no, why don't you go out and get a bit of fresh air? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And Dell's like, oh, yeah, I am a bit claustrophobic. And off he goes. And then both their eyes light up. And then Dell just leaves. He's like, Rodney, they're in my flight bag. In Cassandra's face, he's like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> well, please, it's not exactly a secret. That's what they're aiming to do. And that's why it's just because Dell was obviously so blunt, isn't he? <laughs> the fucking, there's no like finesse with Dell whatsoever. No, there certainly isn't. So, um, speaking of Dale and Finesse, let's have a look at how the episode ends then. So, a day or two later, down in the bar, Rodney has to attend the groovy gang disco and dance with Trudy. Both Rodney and Cassandra are soon miserable since they can't spend any time together and are ready to blow the whistle on the lie. But Dale, who's having a great time, pretends to each of them separately that the other is enjoying it. Dale then takes two guys, uh, two guys, girls, out to a nightclub. <laughs> the following afternoon, I'm not sure if it's the afternoon or morning, but anyway, Dale comes back with a massive hangover. He also has a, has a stomachache and asks the barman for Alka-Seltzer with his drink. Rodney and Cass say the numbers called out for the lottery match the tickets they have bought and they've won. Dale and Rodney dance around and Alan Perkins arrives and says they have won one million pesetas. But then he reads further and as the tickets have Rodney's name on it, no one under 18 in Spain is allowed to gamble. Dell and Rodney then admit the truth so they can win the money by saying Rodney is over 18. Alan says he saw his passport, which says he was born in 1974. Rodney says he has his student card, which has his date of birth on it. He reads it out thinking it says the 2nd of November 1960, but it says the 2nd of November 1974, as it was also modified by Dell. He ruefully says, it's only money, bruv. Rodney is angry and chases Dell out of the bar. So that is how it ends in the punchline. And um, Dale's obviously chatting up those two women and he's going to take them off to the nightclub. But the way he blags um, Cass and Rodney to pretend to each other that they're enjoying themselves is quite clever for Dale. It is really good for Dale and it's really manipulative as well. And it like you say, it's that kind of, he doesn't obviously mean it in a bad way, but he's obviously having a good time and everything. But the way he does it is brilliant. But also I was thinking like, He's actually doing all right for himself with those two women, isn't he? I mean, that's good. So they're quite good looking for obviously Dell's standards. No offense to some of the women that have been in the show or anything, but he's cheesing them up properly. And again, I'm thinking he's doing that right at the bar. The disco is going on. Yeah, right. The like um, Carmen and what's his face are probably busy in there, but it's not really going to do a lot to hold up their kind of their ruse at this point, is it? They just see him like chatting up two birds at the bar. Yeah, right. But like, um, what about um, your, your new wife or whatever? I don't know if you're supposed to be married to her, but obviously she's supposed to be Rodney's stepmom. But yeah, like you say, they're probably too busy in the uh, junior disco, which uh, Rodney, I do like the bit where it's like, 
Kong comes out. She's like, Rodney, it's the final of the break dancing competition. And Kaz is like, should we go and watch? And he's like, watch. I'm in it. <laughs> I'd have liked to have seen him, though. It would have been quite funny watching Rodney break dance, I have to say. I wonder if they actually shot a scene um, just for like giggles. <laughs> never made it to the cut. That'd be brilliant. It would. Maybe it's on the cutting room floor somewhere. I'd have to try and find it. But when Dell does come back, it says it's the afternoon now. I'm not sure it is. It's probably the following morning. He's been at a nightclub all night. That He's been there all day as well. But first thing he does is order a drink. Obviously, he asks for alpha seltzer in it. I can't remember what he orders, but it's something alcoholic, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, this bit, um, I don't. it didn't make sense because obviously Rodney and Cass come down and they're like, oh, look, we've won the lottery and all that stuff. And they're thinking about it. Then old Perkins comes around the corner and he's like, oh, I just heard the good news. And it's like, where did you hear that from? But, you know, because it's not a <laughs> raffle ticket. It would have your name on the back, that, you know, confirm that you've won. Who's told you they won the lottery? I'd imagine they didn't run around the hotel shouting it. They probably just came to find Dell. Yeah, you're right, actually. And he, yeah, because he does come around and he's like, I've been looking for you everywhere. I've just heard the good news. It's like, yeah, how, how did he hear the news? Good shout there, actually. And then Dell's like, um, can you just have a look at these? They're all written in Spanish or something. It's like, well, you're in Spain, Dell, so they probably are. But <laughs> obviously, <laughs> typical Dell. And I did do a little bit of Googling last night. I don't know how accurate this is, but apparently a million pesetas back in 1989, obviously pesetas don't exist anymore, um, it would have been worth around five grand. So obviously Cassandra is trying to sort of calm them down a bit, saying it's only pesetas. He's like, I don't care if it's pesetas, potatoes, or Hung- Hungarian luncheon vouchers, I think he says. We're millionaires. <laughs> But yeah, five grand, I mean, it's not bad, but it's not exactly a million, is it? But I don't suppose Dell's thinking that straight at that point. He's just heard the word a million. Yeah, exactly. And even as we know back then, five grand, you know, would go a lot further than it would um, these days, really. Well, maybe not in Dell Boy's hands, but for <laughs> most people, it'd probably be, it'd probably be all right, wouldn't it? But um, yeah, I mean, it's not a bad way it wraps up, really. But the fact that he's gone in and he's doctored all of Rodney's, like, fucking ID and everything is just amazing. <laughs> when Rodney's like, no, I've got it here. The passport says, and Del Boy's saying it with him, but, like, staring at him, like, knowingly. And then he sort of, like, says the day. I think that's brilliant. It's really good, isn't it? Um, but I, I did notice that David Jason, he, he stutters a little bit. He's like the 2nd of November, as he's sort of trying to probably remember what his line is or something. He sort of does stutter along a bit, but obviously they both read it out at the same time. And then, well, Dale says 1974. And then I was thinking, and Rodney says, no, no, my student ID. And yeah, he says, um, Cassie's, oh yeah, it's got an official stamp on it and everything. They wouldn't take that over a passport. Anyway, the passport would trump the bloody student ideas like an official form of identification, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, because again, like um, a student ID, which is, I imagine back then, especially, I remember when I was at school and you had like student cards, they were just shitty things out of a fucking photocopier. If yeah. you were lucky, it got laminated. There's nothing like official or fancy about it at all. No, exactly. But obviously, um, Dale was doctored that anyway, so they don't win the money. When they're dancing around again dooby 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 doo like at one point i'm sure like what um old perkins like oh dear oh dear and they stop going dooby doo before you even start speaking <laughs> it's like and how are they hearing they're dancing around dooby dooing and he's just going oh dear oh dear under his breath and they seem to hear him somehow yeah yeah that's a good shout actually because they're actually quite far back by then aren't they like i said they're dancing around like the fucking cafe area and everything and he's just stood there with uh with Cass at this point. <laughs> yeah, there's a good episode there, and it's a it's a good ending to a classic episode, really. I mean, there's a lot of little things that would never have happened, but that's only fools and horses. You're not supposed to read into it too much. But like we said at the start, Cassie is really um to the fore in this episode, and I think she's brilliant. She's probably the best character in this one. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. It is a good episode. It flows nicely. It's got loads of great sort of like one-liners and chemistry. But yeah, this is definitely Cassie's kind of like um 
prime episode isn't it really it really kind of like brings her into the forefront and in a way i was thinking like other than mike at the pub we don't have boise or trigger anyone we didn't really need them but sometimes they're just in the background for a one-liner but in this case i think it's good because it didn't take away the fact that like cassie had more time like front and center with dell and rodney it worked really well yeah exactly i mean she's in it right from the start albert gets a little part obviously in the flat then we don't see him again either so it does really give her a chance to shine yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a great episode all round, really. Absolutely. Yeah, I haven't really got a lot else to say about it, Bread Roll, other than the fact um, another great episode in Series 6 just keeps on giving, really, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And as you said at the start, even the, uh, the regular audience were um, obviously getting on board a bit now. So it'll be interesting to see what the numbers are for next week's episode. Indeed. But that's next week, and this is this week. So thank you, as always, for joining us. Let us know what you think of The Unlucky Winner is by getting in touch at the Hyperbaric Goats on Twitter. Let us know what you think about this episode and any upcoming episodes. We are doing them in order, as our regular listeners probably know. Um, so let us know any behind-the-scenes tidbits or anything about the episodes coming up, and which ones are your favourites, and we'll give you a shout-out on the episodes. And for me this week, this is Bread Rolls signing off. And for me, JT, I could really only have one last thing to say. Groovy! No income tax, no VAT, no money back, no guarantee. Black or white, rich or poor, we'll cut prices at a straw. God bless Hooky Street, Viva Hooky Street.